time to tune up the band. And just for further notice, there's a giant hole in your shorts there. A big old hole right there. Uh, for it is another episode of the Sweet Chinwag Podcast. I am Sam alongside Dan, Reardon, Connor, and Melee Hellbar as we continue our journey through the wacky world of professional wrestling. Yes, for the first time, the fourth member of the podcast meets the fifth member. How are we all doing today, fellas? Hello. Hello. Uh... <laughs> You know, all I all I can think about right now is just having a good snap. That's <laughs> good snap. That, that's that's where my mind is. Yeah. Oh gosh, Mela, you sell like in you sell like that in the ring for real, and I tag you. <laughs> I was just gonna call it that. Fuck. <laughs> Taking my bits already. Uh, yeah, fifth member, big fucking deal. Yeah, fucking I was gonna deal. say what we don't realize is that Mele's actually look, came um came to this podcast looking the part. He's wearing a tight black t shirt and jeans. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Just for a notice, one of your nuts is hanging out of your shorts. Yeah. How's the dog doing? Don't know. <laughs> so we will get we will get to this in due course. But how have you how have you guys uh, how how have your weeks been? Oh, horrendously busy. Horrendously busy. That's too true. many things to do. Too many bloody things to do. <laughs> That's my answer. It is. I am nearing. I am seeing the light at the end of the tunnel for this year and I will soon be done and then I will hibernate. It will be wonderful. See, I already seen the light and you'll see why in a few segments. <laughs> I, I am, I'm approaching that time of year where every single person I know is hosting a social event yeah, and they're yep. all happening on like successive days and I'm just like, I'm not built for this. No. <laughs> Break up. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's like something really like important that happens around this time of year. Well, it, it is. It's 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 my birthday this month. So <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go perk angle in the in the Christmas office party. Who's <laughs> standing on top of the photocopy going perk angle, coming <laughs> doing moon exactly. salts off the top. I'm gonna I'm gonna do the abyss spot off a printer. <laughs> <laughs> Just from the other, like, from the other corner of the, <laughs> other corner of the room, you just hear a... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, I'm built man. different. <laughs> oh, it is good to have you back, Connor, a.k.a. Tig. Um, it is good to have you back on the pod, sir. How have you been? Uh, I've, I've been good. Uh, very sleepy. It, as people have said, it's heading up to December. Uh, I'm I'm in a big Christmas rush at the moment, trying to prep stuff early. Yep. And at the same time, trying to get some sleep. So we're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that for bloody true. <laughs> and as, of course, me with how everything is, every single wrestling creator is wanting to have some sort of video done in time for Christmas. And so I've got no time whatsoever this month. <laughs> for anything so expect to see a christmas video from your favorite creator sometime in february <laughs> you're welcome you're damn right you're welcome anyway we give you this podcast thanks to those lovely people over at soundcloud spotify google podcasts apple podcasts and forever pending other platforms you know guys we may not be tough enough but we are good enough to be pending that's right. We are always pending and always will be other platforms. Good snap. Good, good snap. Good snap. Good good snap. snap. I know. I, that was a good snap because my brain was off, but then I immediately just clicked back into into, into bit mode. And you know what that is a sign of? 
What's that? A good snap. <laughs> <laughs> so, before we get into our little retrospective all about Tough Enough, it is time to visit Dan for this week's wrestling news. Dun, 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 down. Wrestling news. You were a bit late there, Reardon. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> like, I, like I, it's like I said, it is no. the end of the year. My yeah. brain yeah. is turning off. Yeah. I was literally just about to say, I was just gonna peel back the curtain a second. Like my headphones are like disintegrating as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> like I, we are in the struggle right here. Mm-hmm. Uh... Um. Yeah, wrestling news time. Uh, I think, obviously, we're going to go to the big one, which is CM Punk is back in WWE. Oh, my God. Oh, my. Could it be? I mean, we already we talked about this in great detail last episode, but I think now mm-hmm. that we've cut, we're now with Monday Night Raw over and done with. I mean, um, <laughs> yeah, that was a Monday Night Raw, um, if there ever was exactly. one. A Bruce Pitchard. Monday Night Raw. It really was. Nothing of note or any kind of like... Um... I mean, I do have to say the the first Monday Night Raw with CM Punk back being commercial free and Punk not appearing in that commercial free hour is an inspired move. <laughs> Never but, like, but like, honestly though, it, it's like, obviously there's been a whole bunch of, you know, like talking heads on this and everything. Hmm. And you know, like God, we've had to suffer like a whole week and a half of former wrestling people. I'm going to use quote unquote legends giving their like two cents that no one asked for on this. How small? Giving the most, <laughs> giving the most brain, giving the most like brain dead takes. Um, but just like um, as I said to these guys before we started, I think the thing for me <clears throat> which gets me most is that I felt like I could like I only watched like the like minute and a half clip of the like the the bulk of the promo mm-hmm. and I felt like I could see the soul leave his eyes <laughs> like looked- I I I visibly witnessed all heart and desire leave that man's body I don't know there was something there was an air of um of a man kind of a bit soul crushed if you know what i mean i mean i don't know if that came across to anybody else but he looked genuinely like uh like that feeling of just like the the real kind of like that (laughs) the embodiment of that you're you're gonna you're gonna hate me this hey for everyone here do you know the 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 snap cube sonic fan dubs Oh yes, yes, I love that. Yes. that some of the best. You know the you know yeah. the audio clip of Eggman going, "I'm back in the fucking building." <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the energy I got from this. Honestly, I get more. I get more of um, another Eggman choice quote from that. It's um ah, uh, I miss my wife tales. I miss her a lot. <laughs> I get another quote from uh, from Eggman, which is penis. Ah <laughs> uh, yeah, like it, 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 it. I said to these guys before we started, it's it's very impressive to see the soul of the artist die in real time. <laughs> like normal, like I said, normally it happens like way beyond the point. Mm. Like the last time I've seen the soul of the artist die this aggressively and visibly 
is probably like Panic at the Disco. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, well, I say Panic at the Disco, Panic at the Disco slash just Brendan Urie on his own. But you know what? Everyone knows what I mean. If yeah. you know what I mean, then I know what you mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> but like seeing his seeing his face in real time be like i'm not here to make friends i'm here to make money is just like like that's a level of corpo punk yeah which which i think even the creators of like the cyberpunk media set struggle to comprehend with it makes it makes mm-hmm. me laugh it does me did make me chuckle a little where he like not even two minutes before that he said that it was like Everyone was hugging me, shaking my hand. We all got odd. Some people even kissed me on the mouth. I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to make money. <laughs> Corp- Come and listen, baby. <laughs> like, it just, it felt empty and like devoid of anything. <laughs> it's like they told him a few bullet points and that's it. So he didn't Make throw sure away the paper this. now. He, he actually took I the paper. I can't remember the name of the actual aesthetic concept, but like you know, like that that corporate minimalist art. Oh yeah, 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 that corpo art kind of stuff. Like yeah. like the the flat, blocky two D shapes. Yeah, that Google kind art. of that. Yeah. yeah, that are like very ambiguous. Yeah, it's like that. So it is it is it is the I mean I can't say sanitized yet because we don't actually know, but like it feels like a CM Punk who is being CM Punk for the sake of being CM Punk. All I'm saying is if he comes out in gear like this and we try to say that he's gone full corporate <laughs> no, that's no. It's it, 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 it's a specific thing. I I, I... yeah. Gee, that's... I know. Exactly has anyone has, has any has anyone here played the game Going Under? Yes. No. Yes. Okay. Think of the art style of Going Under, except Going Under is a, a commentary on that whole world. Yes. It's a it's 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 an RPG. Well, not RPG. It's like a, a rogue like. How would you describe it? it? Yeah, like a rogue like dungeon game, but. The dungeons you explore are failed startups. Oh, I know. I have heard of this game. Yeah, I buy that game. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Anywho, uh, I will say one thing about it: the hype package building up to the promo was really it was it was pretty sick in a way because you got to see like a bunch of like wrestling streamers' reactions to it, and it was like, oh, they uh, know about that. Was them. not what that I was wanted. really cool. That was <laughs> awesome. Andrew yeah. Hodgkinson from Cultaholic got his moment on WWE. <laughs> yeah, but even like people who are initially like wrestling TikTok rays who branched out to streaming got some of it. I was yeah. like, oh, that's really sick. It was like, oh, that's awesome. It's crazy. Yeah, this shit. This yeah. shit. Yes. Yeah, I know it. Mm-hmm. That's the one. We're looking, for punk- we're looking for punk gear looking like that then, yeah? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just saying. The, the moment the... The crown jewel graphic hits and it's CM Punk. Oh, it's gonna, oh I'll be the happiest man in life. When if 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 the if the crown jewel graphic hits, that is gonna be like uh, I believe you said this in the base world uh, server melee. That's gonna be like eighties crack. Mm-hmm. Have you not oh, seen that, the, uh... that, that that image will never be allowed to to die. Have you... That image will be shared. 
that you know <laughs> that might even see us return to forum posting like <laughs> have you not seen the uh the the announced uh graphic for the royal rumble next year yeah and they put <laughs> they put punk and logan paul together but they're upside down <laughs> this well <laughs> which makes it even fun <laughs> oh my god he's just a guy yeah just love how la Knight is there like just peeking in the middle next to sammy zay going yeah <laughs> yeah what a terrible don't don't, don't don't you don't don't you want cm punk logan paul and i believe jay uso you <laughs> the, the new bloodline that's what i'm saying melee See, CM Punk's gonna bring out a second bloodline. I was gonna say, take that image graphic of Seth, Ray, Jay, Punk, and Logan Paul, and that's your new, that's your new bloodline. Nation. <laughs> oh God. Punk, the, unseen... the tribal chief. <laughs> I can't unsee in this Royal Rumble poster how thick Sami Zayn's beard is. Yeah, like I really feel like does. it's like. Respect to him because it's a magnificent beard, but I can't help but like not stare at it and think it's gonna like engulf the frame. For a moment, <laughs> the way it's rendered, it made me think it was early era Braun Strowman. I can't lie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah there is a little bit of that, yeah. isn't there? <laughs> Jono was just really disconcerting about all of this for me, anyway. <laughs> What's that? Honestly, just seeing the wrestlers' faces upside down. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like honestly, I'm looking I'm looking and I know that it's CM Punk and my brain almost refuses to accept it. Oh, it's just reminding me it's gin Like the only one the only one that looks normal is Rey Mysterio, and that's because of one very specific thing, which is it's Rey Mysterio wearing a mask. <laughs> Guys, I just realized what this post what this poster reminds me of. What oh, are the key what are the key arts oh. from the original release of Dead Rising? Which is the oh my god! <laughs> wow. See, I was actually thinking more. It looks like a cheap corpo version of of the boys. It, yes. yes. That could be. That could actually be it. You know. <laughs> like, tell me, all the way in the say, back. tell me, I'm wrong. Where that the, those two don't look similar. Though. Wrestling taking no, the... in, wrestling taking inspiration from fucking Stargate. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh, where's Chris Judge when you need him? Probably I'm saying. God of War. <laughs> but yeah, it's been a weird week. Um, we all got, I'm guessing it's like it's the fallout of everything. Is that, oh my God, he's actually there. He's actually, he's doing something. Cody's never yeah. going to finish the story. But hey, at least we've got <laughs> ginormous Randy Orton being awesome as usual. And now he's on SmackDown. Yeah. Bro, bro's also on the cycle. <laughs> Good for him. Good for him. Good for him. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm like, I'm not gonna be mad at it. Like, <laughs> it's amazing what sugar, uh, what sugar get, crisp get, will do for you. <laughs> get, 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 get the bag, my man. Randy Orton deserves it. I mean, yes, yeah, Randy Orton has worked forever. <laughs> like, disregard all. Like, don't disregard all that stuff. Sorry, I was just because I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about other news stories. I forgot. There's also the Kota Bushi and Noah. 
Yes. That where was him, amazing. Where, I saw that this where, morning. Where, where him and Marafuji just said to Keno, no, screw you. We're getting the main event spot. And, yeah. now, all the, and now all the mainline Noah fans are pissed. <laughs> <laughs> they, they've been working Keno all year to be like, you know what? No. <laughs> you showed me that story, didn't you, the other week with Keno? Oh, got okay. Up Let me tell uh, yes. the, 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 the Keno story where Keno and Satoshi Kojima um, teamed up for a tag match, after which Kojima said, um, thank, you for in- thank you for inviting me, to which um, Keno replied, I didn't ask for you. I wanted Tenzan. <laughs> <laughs> fucking ruthless <laughs> i love it it's great oh god i love keno i love keno is, so much so is anyone used to keno wearing blue yet no i'm it's really still, not used still to doesn't, it doesn't i'm i i can't unsee it because i feel like his entire career he's worn red and then the minute congo ended he just immediately went to blue and we like there was no transition he just busted out the blue gear all of a sudden i couldn't i couldn't process it it's fun to see. It is. It is. Get, I'm trying to get used to it, but it is really kind of like I, I, it's blue teaster all over again. <laughs> like it, it's a good look for him. Like I don't hate the blue, mm. but it's just the case of I'm so used to you wearing red that the minute he started wearing blue, I I had to double take for a sec. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it has been a. It's been a, it's been a bit of a crazy week, all things considered, as well for wrestling. I mean, AEW has been, oof. Um, to, I mean, it's not. I hate to be the one to say it. I didn't really That's enjoy this week's dynamite. Right, I time mean, I'm to cancel him. <laughs> no, like legitimately, I think the only good segment was the Christian Adam Copeland's uh, segment. I didn't even watch this week. I think, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think, uh, I think uh, they would want, wouldn't want to admit that the whole punk thing is really kind of, I guess, put, um, uh, put a, a massive hole in the works. Yeah, put a dampener on on the company. Again, as a whole. I have, I really have to stress, this could have all been avoided. Yeah, but like, but like, not, but like, not even in like a like, oh yeah, you'd have to like do like seven different things in retrospect. You just have to get rid of the whole interim championship. Yeah, true. You get rid of that, and then this situation never happens. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Oh well. Yeah. I I will say on a more positive spin. Shout out to the people making the like post match Continental Classic interviews that they've been doing. Yes. Yeah. They've just been popping on social media. They've all been incredible. They really have. Uh, Jay White's well, one. After he lost was really good. The Swerve Strickland one, like he's continuing to kill it. I mean, all I'm saying is like, well, if I if I say right, I don't want Swerve to win the Continental Classic because the first belt that man should hold is the world title. I don't think he's going to win it. I feel like if I'm to make an early prediction, my gut feeling is either. Danielson? Danielson feels like the guy who I think will win it. Yeah. The question is, I don't know who he's who will face in the final. My gut feeling is Jay White. Hmm. 
I, I think that kind of depends on MJF because apparently he's injured. Yeah. yeah. But the yeah. thing is, a lot of people are thinking, and I, I would be the one to agree, at this point, oh, go on, just just, just give the title to Joe. Because what else at this point have you got to lose? Yeah. Well, this is the thing I'm saying, right? Because, like, if Joe, if Joe gets the title, Joe gets the title, and like you know, Joe can carry it. No one's gonna agree. No one's gonna be there and be like, "Oh, Samoa Joe, world champion, whatever." Like, no, no one's gonna, no one's gonna give you grief over it. Hmm. Yes, admittedly, it is not 2006 anymore. But like, however, however, Joe's promo work continues to be the best. Yeah. So it's like, it, like no one, no one's gonna, no one's gonna make an issue of it, right? And what I'm saying is. Give Swerve the title because he's absolutely at that point for AEW right now. Let him worry about getting the win over whoever wins the title, like the the, the Continental Classic thing later. Mm-hmm. It's a super it's a super easy storyline to run back, right? You can worry about that later and have that all separate, and you get a great world champion out of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think with with the benefit of hindsight, I'm just saying, me and the boys, we're going back in time. We're going to make sure Adam Page stays AEW World Champion because he's been robbed after all of this. Yeah, basically, what will happen is is we had this this great storyline leading to a great point that then just got completely derailed. (laughs) (laughs) That then has now caused, like, a schism... Oh no, not the schism. <laughs> not the A. Oh god, what has caused... Joe Gacy done now? <laughs> it's, it's caused a schism to form in the company, and then now you have like the the former NXT people just being like, please, Paul, take me back. God damn it, I knew I should never have trusted say... the Grizzle veterans. <laughs> I, I, will, I will say, though, um, with all of that and all the stuff coming from like Malachi and whoever, Andrade was just like, "Yeah, you know, I'm going back to CMLL." Like, <laughs> screw you well, guys, that's... I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the way it seems to be anyway. CMLL put out, uh, put out like a video that was like, "Oh, um, next for CMLL," and I'm fairly sure it's Andrade. <laughs> yeah. Real. Uh, which, 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 again, I have to say, unfathomably based from him. He said, "You guys are having problems. I'm off to Mexico." Yeah, <laughs> and I'm taking Roosh with me. <laughs> that's, exactly, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Just like, you'll good. be good. <laughs> yeah, you, you'll be good, fellas. I'm off. <laughs> See, the thing is, he understands. He understands. He understands that CMLL, for lack of a better phrase, has been the best. I've one of the best promotions of the year so far. So. <laughs> He knows that. where the he good stuff C- is coming from. He knows from. CMLL are going to give him money. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like me. That's what I'm saying, bro. I was going to say, when can we? Well, I was going to say, when can we see you at Arena Mexico? There, uh, <laughs> <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> he, in fact, all we we all we know from for now is that Mele is in fact the leader of LFI. <laughs> <laughs> Um, with that though, I think we're done with the news. Beautiful. Actually, just, just, just a quick thing. Uh, fuck you, Ric Flair. There you go. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In case it needed to be said and you never heard it from us before enough times before, like yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All righty, let's go. Over Get to- out, old heads. Yes. <laughs> Fucking 
the the whole thing. Anyway, me me when an old head speaks. <laughs> Let us head on over to recommendation corner, and first we are going to go to melee because I feel like he needs a lot to say about certain a uh, certain recommendation this week, don't you, sir? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, what do you guys want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. This is going to be a repeat of what I said on a previous episode. And it has to be my recommendation, Godzilla Minus One. Now, I want to preface this. 1954, the original Godzilla, it's a masterpiece, especially for the message for its time of the horrors of nuclear devastation and the U.S. government. Shin Godzilla, another beautiful movie, which... To me personally, I consider it the best movie of the entire franchise. It's pretty much the 1954 movie told in a modern landscape. Speaking about the bureaucracy of the Japanese government and how they are they suck. But I'm here to say on Thursday I saw this movie Godzilla minus 1 directed, written and special effects work by Takashi Yamazaki. What a brilliant, brilliant man that he is. I never thought I would say this, especially after Shin Godzilla, but Godzilla Minus One may be the best Godzilla movie of the entire franchise, and I am not exaggerating about that. Ah, shoot, bro. Yeah. I, these are, this is like one of the only movies where I legit had tears in my eyes, and that, Almost never happens because I, I keep my emotions in check most of the time. I'm very stoic, but that movie, it's it's something special. And if you happen to see it, I highly, highly recommend you either see it in IMAX or if you want to get freaky like me, 4DX, because it's <laughs> it's just an experience. Like for me, this is the movie of the year. Like this surpasses Spider Verse, this surpasses Oppenheimer, and it's crazy that I'm even saying that. But this is like my favorite movie of the entire year. And I can't wait for everyone else to see it. Yeah, I've been hearing a lot of that. It that it is better. That I've heard that people have said like, yeah, it is equal, if not better than than Shin Godzilla, which is madness for me to hear. <laughs> That's just wild because Shin Godzilla is a masterpiece, top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Like, I know, I know people have been talking about as well the fact that it's like overall budget was like twenty million. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I've been something like that. that. And I would like to keep in mind that uh, that is not necessarily a good thing because um, you know they don't pay their workers really nearly enough. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, let's not. So, everyone, let's not. Let's not like go that way. It was it, no. It was just because people were talking about how um, like the, the the production and the and the effects work yeah. and the fact. I think they said it, it was something like. Um, I want to say it was the something to do with the Marvels or a, a Marvel release recently. Mm, yeah. Where I said that the, the 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 budget was ten times larger. Yeah, yeah, it, it was. That's, but that is due to like a numerous thing, mostly uh, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, and yeah. pay their workers. So I wouldn't go that far. However, I will say I've heard that it is the best looking kaiju movie in terms of like they. Fu- it seems that Japan has finally like. It feels like ever since, like, 
Yeah, like ever since Sin Godzilla, the the like the Japanese film industry have finally figured out how exactly to make their stuff look like Tokoyatsu builds only with CG. Mm-hmm. They have cracked the code. There seems to be a lot of code cracking for the past, I want to say, five years when it comes to like how do we make our CGI effects that much better. So I am really excited and i will probably see it in imax because because funny enough the last movie i saw in imax was godzilla king of the monsters so i i feel like this is it's good to be it's good to be back (laughs) and and by the way it was utterly worth it man we've been eating good for for godzilla content (laughs) like it's amazing it's amazing what multiple world-changing events can do towards the public perception of the necessity of kaiju films yeah, like we have been eating good for kaiju films since 2014, since like the since the 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 last American the Godzilla movie came out, the Gareth Edwards, which I yeah. know a lot of people. I know a lot of people like its its shine has shone off a little bit, but I still think it. Like again, if that to be for that to be the worst <laughs> movie of the MonsterVerse is a good sign of the quality of the MonsterVerse. I'm sorry, it is. <laughs> but uh, oh. yeah, no, I'm really excited. I'm very glad mm-hmm. that it's gotten such I, I, ridiculous reviews. So I, I also want to say, out of all the Godzilla films, that includes Shin. This has probably the most compelling human character plot of the entire franchise, and it's just wonderful that they were able to pull this off. Excellent. Don, really glad to hear that. Don, do you have one this week as well, Raiden? Yes, on a much smaller scale. <laughs> Guys, how do you feel about music essayists? Brilliantly. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're in luck because my recommendation broadly is the wonderful YouTuber Polyphonic. And Hell yeah. Most, and, and, but even more specifically, um, Axe to Grind, the history of the electric guitar solo. Nice. Where he basically, he goes, but it's an incomplete, admittedly, <laughs> but he goes... Yeah, but it from, gets complicated with yeah, lots gets, of stuff. It gets really complicated with lots of stuff. And it's just a really fascinating look into this small little piece of music history that has def- that defined music history for pretty much our entire lives. Mm. It's really cool. And you get to hear and you get to and if you go on Nebula, you get to hear a lot of um a lot of great guitar solos. And shout out to Nebula. Just what a great yeah. little great little it's like I know a lot of people have been like gunning from Nebula like have been there's been a lot of hype going around nebula but it really is that good i've been watching yeah no it is good i have not regretted subscribing to that but (laughs) i want to give a shout out to polyphonic who i've been watching for years now just nothing but bangers and i think his axe to grind um series is one of his best so that's my recommendation nice nice good recommendations fellas so you're welcome with that it is time to get on to our main portion of the episode. It is time to talk about Tough Enough. Now, a little backstory. Tough Enough 
1983 American romantic drama sports film directed by Richard Fleischer, <laughs> starring Dennis Quaid. Qua- wait, hang on. No, I think I've got the wrong tab. Shit. No, no, oh no, my no, God. No, no, we're, we're right. We're right. Continue. <laughs> no, no, no. You're talking about, whoa, whoa. You said Dennis Quaid. Keep going. Pam Greer, Warren <laughs> Oates in his final appearance and Stan Shaw. A down on his luck country and western singer from Fort Worth, Texas, enters a tough man competition to pay for his family bills. Little does he know that he's actually really good at boxing. And then, as he enters and fights for the national championship, he's got to choose between his love of music and his newfound success. <laughs> he's just an early YouTube boxer. Oh, no. <laughs> right. Uh, should we go on to the actual proper yeah, tough enough, it, gentlemen? Uh, he's just, you, just, you just killed the fun for me, Dan. You <laughs> Are you trying to never say that has Dennis... one never has one sentence done so much damage? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so fellas, what is the thought when when you hear the name <laughs> or when you hear the words "tough enough"? What is the first thing that comes to your mind when those words are uttered? All right, can I can I can I start? Yes, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Michael Mizanin. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. fair. Um, overall, a mistake. Yes. Also very good. Uh, what about you, Connor? I mean, I think of the greatest match of all time, Melina versus Alicia Fox. <laughs> right. Let's go. He's, 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 he's cooking. Alicia Fox mentioned Melee. I was going to say, is, mm-hmm. is that the same for Melee? <laughs> Walk the foxy road. I'm just saying, good snap. <laughs> good snap. As for me, it's Maven's eyebrows. It's true no. though, because because it's one of those things of like obviously there was always the story about Maven being told to trim down his eyebrows, but like I never realized it <laughs> until seeing what his eyebrows look like, and yeah, they were right. <laughs> those things were ginormous. Caterpillars. Anyhow, as we all know, as in this time of the turn of the century, WWF had a metric fuck-ton of money from the huge success that they were gaining in the market. And so rather than giving than Vince giving bonuses and, and all of those pay rises to his staff and to talent, he decided to waste it on three things. Uh, a restaurant in New York, a football league, and this deal with MTV. Any, uh, you know, you never know how much money they were getting paid by Stacker too, so... <laughs> I'm just saying. I got a guy, Joey Numbers. He's <laughs> down at the Port Authority call. Um, Sam, are you able to do some very quick research for me? Go on. Um, would you be able to search for me when uh, the real was it, was it the real life? The real world. The, the real, real world. world. Can you search? Okay, can you search me for when that started? Can you search me for when the first version of Big Brother was aired? So Big Brother started in 2000. 2000. The real world first aired in 1992 and was considered the very first in this brand new genre of okay. television known as reality TV. Okay, because this is I just want to I just want to quickly check that because what I love about this is this this is such a microcosm of this period of time in media that everything needed a reality show. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And somehow WWE made the deal with MTV and made it happen for them. Yeah, the the, the originators, the the, <laughs> the network that 
kind of started this whole thing, really. Uh, managed to get a deal with those guys. So, yeah, basically a deal was brokered in the spring of 2000 where M uh, MTV and WWF came together to make a reality show. Basically, from what I heard, it was Vince came to them with the idea of a reality show. And MTV started kind of narrowing down kind of what it could be. And they came together with the idea of taking uh, just basically absolute right at the start rookies and training them up to become uh, WWE slash F superstars at the time. Uh, so, and of course, the thing, big thing was that uh, one, uh, the big thing was... Um, the end would be for the, for the winner, the eventual winners, the one female, one male, to win a WWE contract at the end of it. I believe it was MTV that came up with the idea of how about rather than having them all just come in to the, to the training facility, we'll, have, we'll stick them all in a big house uh, that's near near the training facility. That was MTV's idea. And then basically yeah, but that was the thing, though. Mm. That's like basic reality TV of get a bunch of people that don't know each other and stick them in a place together and then see what happens. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but I feel like this has infinitely less potential for chaos. Uh, mm. True. True. <laughs> and honestly, as we all know, and we'll get into this, this, this first part we're going to talk about is the MTV generation or era yeah. where we had where we had three tough enoughs that took place in and around this time. I believe it was free. Yes, it was a good one. It was it was free. Um, not I know that MTV came into this with the mindset of oh, I wonder if we could do some drama between the contestants in each with each kind of episode. <laughs> Turns out they really didn't. And it was having yeah. a really hard time trying to come up with any dramatic hook climb for any of the episodes rather than the them training is, though, or getting that... injuries or getting bumps like... here and there. <laughs> like, most of them aren't going to make a massive issue with each other. Yeah, mm. you'll have, like, different personalities, but they're all there trying to get the contract. So it's not like they're just... Ha it's You know, it's not like it's, like big brother where it's like oh you have to try and impress people to stay in the competition yes yes um mm -hmm. here's a little fun fact as we get into season one of course it all started at the tracks training facility the, the, Hell yeah. the precursor to the performance center if you will that was named tracks because it's a it's like a it's a multi-layered pun because the the actual training facility was a warehouse right next to train tracks hence the word tracks spelt with an x because you it's know the track. extreme. it's extreme <laughs> now in stereo the head trainers <laughs> the head trainers for tough enough were al snow jacqueline taz and tori with occasional <laughs> guest appearances from a number of wrestlers in between the seasons of okay. course the most this, infamous this one is... being episode three where a where a much pissed off Triple H came in to haze everyone. <laughs> Big fucking deal. <laughs> uh, oh goodness. So thirteen contestants at were whittled well from four thousand entries and applicants, they were whittled down to thirteen contestants. Uh, the most notable names from this season are Josh uh, Lomberger, who would eventually be rechristened as uh, Josh Matthews. Now, I'm I'm just saying this. I think that, frankly, Josh Matthews being in there is unfair because he was a yarder. <laughs> he was a backyarder, yeah. 
Real. Uh, we had Daryl Cross, the tallest of the of of the entire group here, and also kind of one of the most, I guess you could say, lumbering, incompetent wrestlers yeah. on, on during <laughs> he, that time. He he is in fact someone on the show. <laughs> I feel like he was just on the show for them to make fun of him. In, yeah, pretty yeah. much. We had Bobby Joe Anderson, who was there not to wrestle, but was actually using this as a platform to get onto Playboy. Now that's bag chasing right there. That's so that is bag chasers anthem behavior. <laughs> we had Respect. we had Jason Dayberry, who was a bodybuilder before he came into the into into Tough Enough. Was big, jacked, bald, and was a massive fan of Goldberg. And that would come back to bite him on the ass in episode three. <laughs> okay, right. I I was saying about this guy, right? Okay. Uh, of which I would say. Uh, that's going up on the Patreon, so subscribe and you can listen to it. Um, mm-hmm. All I'm saying is, right, if if I'm anyone at WWE seeing him, I would just be there and just go, look, bro, get a flight to Japan right now. <laughs> they will pay you the money to have you there. <laughs> Antonio Inoki will greet you by slapping you across the face. <laughs> Antonio Inoki will turn up at the airport with seven bags with about a combined <laughs> two million yen in it. <laughs> and slap him across the face still. <laughs> oh, he right. would see the he would see the vision. He really would. Really would. Okay. H- who else we have? Christopher Nowinski. <laughs> uh, who would uh, who oh, we'll get to Christopher at, uh, by the end of the talk. Melee. Yeah, Fucking hell! <laughs> that's actually that's awesome. Oh um, we ha- uh, we have Taylor Maffney, uh, and of course the two names that are the most prominent: Nidia Gennard and Maven Huffman. Now, the first season, even though it was very highly rated for MTV, as I said, it wasn't very eventful in terms of yeah. like in-house drama not, tensions between not, not the a lot not a lot really happens the only tension we had honestly in the season was between maven and and christopher nowinski honestly because they had a bit of a of a of a disagreement over kind of like oh i don't think you're cut out for this because you're not highly educated to which may which mitch maven said i'm a fucking sixth grade school teacher i need to be educated <laughs> mate <laughs> you obviously don't know who i am <laughs> I, I, I love that the one of the biggest dramas they cook up is just Jason being like, "Yeah, I can't lie. I just want to go home and see my family. I, I, I can't be asked to do all of this just staying in this house and trading all the time." Yep. So, of which, to be honest, no. I respect it. Bro, bro was just there and was just like, "Ah, you know what? I just want to go home." <laughs> yeah. So, how it was originally supposed to go is with each week or each episode, the coaches and trainers were going to vote together uh, to see who the weakest uh, of the group were that week and cut them. And the process was they would open, each contestant would open their locker, and if there was a piece of red tape inside their locker, that meant that they were cut from the show. Thing is, here's the kicker for you, they they only did that twice because the rest of the group voluntarily exited the program. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I will give you the order of eliminations from each episode. So from episode one, Tom, after being selected to the final 13, refused to sign the MTV contract and was eventually replaced by Greg Whitmoyer. Come episode three, 
Jason quit because, as you said, Dan, he couldn't handle the road life and wanted to go home and see his family. Uh, episode three, of course, is the infamous Triple H episode, which <laughs> I guess we could talk a little bit about right now. And it's probably the most infamous slash famous episode of that entire season. So... It's just because it's funny. It's because it's just Triple H acting like the biggest prick in existence. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Guys, you guys, all right? Like, like, sore? like, 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 Melly did. Like, hit the face. Like, you got, you got a wife at home. What's she doing? You got a you got husband at home. Was, was he doing? What the dog doing? Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be super mom. You got to be super dad. You got to be super tall. It's, it's, it's just, it's just all the stuff that he just goes in there, and it's like his life. I've said this in the recording that we did. He walks in there with quite possibly the smuggest face known to man. Mm. I have I have never seen a face and a, a walk so aggressively smug. If I if I saw someone do that in a theater show, I would think they were over exaggerating. <laughs> so, we have someone here who is currently at this moment in time a professional wrestler and of course we what if you once this does get released onto our patreon you know that connor did join us for this episode and so we asked him this question and i feel it bears repeating as well connor from your experience of watching episode three with us is there anything that triple h did that reflected your sort of training in professional wrestling <laughs> Now I'm interested. I mean, from from the 15 minutes of Triple H's ran, I can confirm that, that not not much really coincided <laughs> with the training I personally had. There were certainly some truths in there about travel and training consistently and being hurt. But yeah, no, not not really a similar experience. <laughs> so, so basically, what you're telling me is that at no point during your training has a coach ever given you a 15 minute diatribe about how your partner may or may not be cheating on you. You know, funny, funny enough, no. Oh, oh. Well, your snap's good. Hopefully. <laughs> see that? See how fast I snap. <laughs> I was gonna say, has there been at any point Cara Noir come up to you and go, "You sell like that for me in the ring, and I'll tag you for real"? <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. Brit Brit Absolutely not. Brit British wrestling could never. It would disintegrate in like two days if people if people started doing that. No, absolutely yeah. not. Like Cara is a fantastic trainer, just in general. Like, <laughs> let it be known, everyone. Let it be. Known. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like in general, like he has he has a thing, particularly at the school, where he will encourage people just just sort of say what your threshold is for certain things. Like if you're training strikes, certain people can take more than other people, and mm. communicating between one another. So, yeah, sh shout out to shout out to Kara. Heck yes. Trainers need to be more like that to realize other people that people don't have the exact same threshold as everybody else. It's not a one-size-fits-all sort of situation. Not, not, not everybody can snap as fast as I can. Mm. <laughs> guy like me asking for the Walter chops. <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying, bro. Basically, Melee ends up like with his chest like Ilya Dragunov's after a match yeah. with Walter. <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh! If anyone's seen got those your chest looking like your chest looking like chili con carne. 
Oh, so, where were we? Oh, yeah, episode three. Yeah, Triple H, Triple H having the smuggest face known to human existence. The thing I realised as well with this episode, uh, I kid you not, his outfit, his fit for this on Tough Enough, is the exact same outfit he had when he appeared on Saturday Night Live a year prior. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, you have I to mean, see thing... like shirt and pants, sir. I mean... I haven't. Look out the um, fanny pack. It's very similar to the rocks. It really classic. is. <laughs> I was gonna say I haven't. I didn't say it here, but it reminds me of um, the. I don't know if you. Ever, <laughs> I don't know if anyone has ever seen these TikToks. There's these people where they always complain about like how men dress, and they're like, "I need like men need to stop dressing like little kids," and then they'll go on about how they're dressed really classy, and it's always it's always the same absurdly tight black t-shirt yeah. and aggressively tight trousers combo <laughs> it's Listen. always the same it's always the same fit <laughs> but dan how will we know if you have muscles or not mm -hmm. yeah but the prob the thing is right i look right i get it but then they they look like they look like they are like the walking version of a perfume store They look, they look, they, they look like they are going to have the, their sales pitch memorized to me. They are the walking embodiment of Davidoff Cool Walter, you're saying. They literally are. <laughs> they literally are. <laughs> oh, man. So, let's get on to the order of eliminations. Back to that. Episode 4 sees Bobby Joe and Victoria <laughs> quit together because, because shock, shock of all shocks, they couldn't handle the physicality of pro wrestling. Our main man on episode 5, Daryl, was cut for not being able to keep up with the rest and overall poor aptitude, as well as holes in his shorts all of the time. Just for further reference, one of your nuts is hanging out of your shorts. Shad uh, episode 6, Shadrick cut due to ring struggles, and that saw the only two people cut from the entire show. As back in episode 7, everyone was dropping out. This was Paulina dropped out due to severe leg and knee injuries sustained on the second episode. Episode 9, oof, probably the oof, not the, wor the worst one out of a lot of them dropping out. Greg was forced to quit due to three herniated discs in a botched, I think it was a botched scoop slam it might have been if memory serves me correct. Which is just a crazy sentence. Mm. Uh, episode 10 would see Chris Nephon quit after not feeling uh, it was his time to become a professional wrestler. I believe he did end up being in the indies and had a stint here and there in in the American indies every uh, every so often. Well, I know um, I know they said I know they said um, was it was it Greg who yes. had a Greg who had a brief CZW run, which is again is a mad sentence. Yes, he was Greg enough. <laughs> <laughs> And, of course, the finale of episode 13, we see the finalists, Taylor, Chris Nowinski, Josh Matthews, Nidia, and Maven. Of course, who should pick up the win? None other than Maven and Nidia. But also during this time, Josh and Chris were also given developmental contracts, and Taylor was originally given a contract, but did not take them up on that offer. And, uh, fun fact, she ended up marrying Brian Kendrick, of all people. <laughs> I, I believe I believe she had like a random stint in indies yes, and stuff. Yeah, like she, I believe she worked like Japanese indies for a bit and in the New England area as well. Frank, frankly, all I'm saying is that they thought they they found out that Josh Matthews was was a backyarder and were like we're giving him nothing. 
<laughs> actually, you say that, but it was actually a few months after Tough Enough that they offered uh, Josh a contract because Josh Matthews, before he was signed, ended up appearing in the uh, the short-lived Hulk Hogan vehicle, XWF. <laughs> which that's a, true, I feel, that's a true yarder right there. I feel like, guys, I know I've been like umming and ahhing, and this is for everybody on the podcast as well, of me talking about doing something for my birthday. I feel like I have to watch the three episodes of XWF <laughs> on my birthday. <laughs> or maybe not, dude. Yeah, or maybe not, dude. <laughs> no, that. But yeah, that would run from... Uh, so the, the series started in June and would run all the way till September for the live final taking place at WWF New York. Yes, the, re- the failed yes. restaurant oh they had on Times Square. Which I believe now, is am I right in saying Melee is a hard rock cafe? Pretty sure it is. <laughs> Probably. I mean, I assume all failed restaurants in America become a hard rock cafe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, that's just the, like, it's the final evolutionary form. I have to ask. Is Eventually, that... the parasite takes over the host. Exactly. <laughs> Am I right in saying that, um, didn't WWE have a, like a, like a satellite shop in Niagara Falls? Probably. I'm almost certain no, they had like a, like another, like, merch shop somewhere they else kind of complement new york and i don't know is that still open i don't know probably not probably I mean... not that's probably died a violent death <laughs> this is true this is true so quick quick summary and aftermath of what happened to each person the finalists maven would go on to become a free-time hardcore champion and was eventually released from his contract in july 2005 would later work for tna in uh, tna for a couple of episodes on impact would also appear on The Surreal Life, but most notably ended up getting a job working as a presenter for the Home Shopping Network until he was unceremoniously fired for, I believe he was arrested for drug charges, if memory serves me correct. But from what I heard, he now works in Wall Street in New York and has a famous YouTube channel where he somehow managed to play the algorithm so well that he got 100,000 subscribers in about a couple of months. Like, Because <laughs> he yeah. figured out the content that wrestling fans actually want. Which is the stuff like... Which is the stuff like, are wrestlers on steroids? And then make like an 11-minute video about it. And they're all no. like, yes, I want to know this. Yeah. No, but what he does, what he does really well, in general, is that he doesn't make a video specifically like about wrestling he makes it a youtube video that involves yeah. wrestling yeah yeah and what, get... I, what, what i don't need is i don't need a 19th version of dutch mantel being like where, where the where the title is like maven huffman reacts to whatever <laughs> yeah um like <laughs> is is you know is this the worst thing ever question mark question mark fire emoji like that's what I don't need, and that's why I like his content. This is this is very true. This is very true. So, for you're, Nidia, you're saying you don't you don't want Kevin Nash's thoughts on crack cocaine? I mean, he does have the classic <laughs> podcast for a reason. That's that's, like... that's that's a legendary title. I don't care. <laughs> Uh, what my life was like on Somers. Anyway, um, Nidia would go on to manage JB Noble, eventually competing for the Women's Championship here or there, but was released by the WWE in November of 2004, would retire shortly after that point, and is now actually a very well-known and well-respected chef. Oh, nice. Oh, she be cooking. Nice. Christopher Nowinski would eventually make his main roster debut 
where he was a Harvard, where his whole thing was he was a Harvard graduate, became a two-time hardcore champion, and would retire from wrestling in 2003 from sustained multiple concussion injuries. And seeing Ooh. where that was leading and realizing that there was a correlation correlation between head injury, severe head injuries and early early deaths. Christopher Nowinski, of course, would end up becoming a, an advocate for concussion awareness. And eventually he's now is part of the reason why there is a massive, bigger protocol, not just in pro wrestling for concussions, but for sports in general. As a matter of fact, I believe um, he also actually helped with um, changes in concussion protocol in football, or American football, I yeah. should say. It would, it would, it would track. Dude has done I mean, a the, lot. The, the the NFL have been facing that since like the early nineties, but they were just like, yeah, no, nah, it's all right. It just doesn't exist. Just ignore every single one of our players that like has the brain of a ninety year old when they leave the game at like thirty five. Mm. <laughs> could we low key say? Stop was, saying, bro. Could we low key say that he's potentially the best contestant to come out of tough enough because of this? I yes. would say he's definitely up there. I think he is. Like, if you think about the impact he has on the industry, he's up there with The Miz, he's up there with John Morrison, he's up there with... I would Andrew argue Roberts. I would argue that leading concussion research is more important than most things The Miz has ever done. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, is just, this is just another feather in my anti-Miz agenda. Listen, a lot of people... Between between important CTE research and Ms. and Mrs., I'm going to I'm going to choose the CTE research. Oh yeah, no, I I absolutely agree. I just think like people might sleep on the idea of Christopher Nowinski's sort of like impact on it because you. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I I completely understand what you're saying. I'm just shitting on the Miz. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. You know, you know what, Dan? You're the coward. <laughs> <laughs> no, legit. Well, you know what, Melee? Why don't you go back to the bingo halls? <laughs> Why don't you quit? Why don't you quit and go back to the base world with your indie friends? <laughs> no, we, sorry, um, Connor. Sorry, Connor. Keep going. Keep going. Connor. No, uh, what uh, I was going to uh, say was actually that Christopher Lewinsky actually became an absolute legend by taking on Dana White for saying, you know what, your power slap uh, championship thing is a crock of shit and it's actually doing a lot more damage to the contestants than to your own wallet. Based. Oh, by the way, fuck Dana White. <laughs> Real. <laughs> did, did did we really need to say that? <laughs> As for Josh Rodberger, of course, he would become Josh Matthews. Uh, for many years, was a noted commentator and backstage interviewer. Eventually left in 2014, would go on to work to Impact for Impact Wrestling, where he would have become a one-time Impact Grand Champion, and also became the Shaman for Matt Seidel, if no one remembers that, when Matt yes, Seidel was heavily into drugs, 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 lots of drugs, 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 <laughs> uh, all I, the drugs. I, I unfortunately remember that. <laughs> and as Dan alluded to, Greg Whitmoyer would become known as Greg Matthews, working for CZW until retiring in 2010. <laughs> I just love it. That's that's so based. <laughs> oh, so let's go on to season two. What an incredibly interesting season. Not for who was in it. And there were a lot of people actually that were in it. That is very surprising. But who wasn't in uh, Tough Enough 2? So here's, here's the thing. They did an open audition with no cap on the applicants. 
and here we would get on to have a lot of people that eventually make their way into wrestling first and most notable is shad gaspard who actually made yeah. it to the final contestant uh, paul but mm-hmm. unfortunately failed his physical and was replaced i believe oh. by eventual uh contestant danny um that's crazy I remember I was, yeah. I was watching the intro part of that. I was like, holy shit, that's Shad Gaspar. <laughs> God shout bless out him, Shad, man. man. Shout out Shad. And also shout out Crime Time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chuck your 40. <laughs> John Hennigan would actually audition for this part, was whittled to the top 25, but did not make the cut for this season. He that does, didn't... in fact. He does, in fact, do the flips and the stuff and the stuff. He does. He does. They were impressed by it, but he didn't make the final cut for this season. But we'll get to that eventually as to where he ends up being. Um, other people that audition included Shelly Martinez, of course, known as Ariel. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Kia Stevens, but we know her best as Awesome Kong. Real. Uh, Kim Nielsen, who was known as Desire in TNA. Oh, wow. Ken, Jesus Christ. Ken Kennedy auditioned. What? Yeah, Ken oh. Kennedy auditioned for uh, Tough Enough 2. I never realized that he was a Tough Enough guy. And the one oh, that's probably the least the best one to forget, Jackson Bricker. Um, <laughs> and we all know how that ended up. <laughs> but. In the contestants, the most notable ones to think about, if you don't, if you can't, don't believe me when I say this, because it has shocked me when I remembered, Matt Morgan was a contestant for this season. Okay, no, 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 I knew about this. I knew about this. <laughs> Matt Morgan was a, was a contestant. The DNA of TNA. <laughs> Kenny King was a contestant. This is, okay, this is my thing, right? I forget that Kenny King has been wrestling, like, forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like in my like in my head, Kenny King has only been wrestling for like four years. I know it's 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 crazy, it's crazy. But no, he'd been yeah, he'd been wrestling for a little bit before this as well, which is yeah. crazy to think about. Um, Linda Miles, of course, who would be better known to us as Shaniqua, but we'll get to that eventually. And uh, Jake Solokoff, um, or Sokolov, I should say, and Jackie Gader. Those oh, are the wow. most notable oh, ones. Oh God, Jackie Gator. So, as per usual, a lot there are more cuts on this one. With the trainers now being bumped up to a few more people, we had Al Snow, Hardcore Holly, Ivory, Taz, and Chavo Guerrero Jr. Now, there are a lot more injuries and and uh, a lot more injuries mm-hmm. on this season. Um, episode three would see Aaron getting cut because he couldn't physically catch up with the rest of the group's speed. This caused him to pass out during a, an exercise part, uh, during like an exercise uh, uh, thing where they had they they took them to the beach for an exercise uh, a drill. Uh, the same episode, uh, Robert was also cut for the physicality, and he would tire out easily more than the others. Episode five would see Danny cut because mostly he was he was again struggling with the physicality, but they just thought that he lacked charisma by trying to perform a promo or do interviews with cha- uh, trainers. Um, episode six would see um, where are we? There we are. Boom. I uh, would see Matt leave because he tore a ligament in his right knee. 
Uh, and then nothing would ever be the same again for him. <laughs> yep. Alicia was cut because she had an injury that hindered her from continuing to wrestle in the ring. Uh, it was found out later that Jesse Ward, uh, one of the more notable ones, who's now a television producer, uh, left because she was diagnosed with, uh, with a heart condition. Uh, she did not know she had a life-threatening heart condition and actually credited the show for basically saving her life because she ended up getting uh, treat getting treated for that condition. Which is crazy to think about. So, all of that being said, the rest of the people were cut due to kind of like various factors, charisma, not keeping up, all of that stuff. It came down to the finalists. Jake and Kenny and Linda and Jackie. And this is where the producers pulled a fast one on everyone as there was no male and female winner, as they gave the winning slots to both Jackie and Linda, which, if you see back on the Tough Enough 2 final, absolutely shocked and shocked the hell out of Kenny King. I was like, well, I, I thought one of us was going to win. I, I didn't realise I was being set up to take to, to, to look like an idiot. <laughs> mm. Which is I mean, a like... weird thing. Like, that, that, to, to, to kind of pull a fast one on everyone... Yeah, that's that's a strange one. Although in my head as well, though, I'm like, is this giving more opportunities to women? I don't think that's the way this stance is going to work, though. <laughs> so, would you like, would you guys like to know about the aftermath of the finalists and the winners? Let's oh, go. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, sir. So, of course, as we know, Linda Miles would go on to be rechristened as Shaniqua, the valet slash dominatrix for the newly debuting tag team, the Basham Brothers. Or Bowman Baines. She's my favorite brother. Bowman Baines. <laughs> fucking hell, Dad. I just <laughs> fucking do. I I blame I Johnny. Will, I. Will... I will hold on to that joke until I die. Uh, Jackie Gable would go on to manage future husband Charlie Haas and Rico. Um, unfortunately, Jackie uh, Jackie and Charlie split in mid twenty twenty, and um, from most well, from as recent as last week, Jackie is not looking well health wise. I, I hate to say it. Um, her and Charlie recently. I mean, Charlie looks a lot better now than he did a couple of years ago, but Jackie looks like she's really not feeling and looking well at all uh she's selling a lot of her ring worn gear on ebay and um she was looking very disheveled in in this video uh promoting her kind of like selling of ring gear and she looked very intoxicated as well and it was not nice to see it was actually not of it, it's that's yeah, I, yeah. I it not, was very uncomfortable it is one of the most uncomfortable things i've ever watched and and i'm no jokes here I really hope she gets help. I really yeah. do hope she gets help because it, it just wasn't really nice to see that at all. Um, Jesse Ward would eventually work as a stage manager for the WWE between 2002 and 2004. But in 2013, she would end up marrying Tommaso Ciampa. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny King, of course, would find later success wrestling for Impact and Ring of Honor. But now he's best known as a Chippendale. Good for him. <laughs> Matt Morgan would go on to be fucking mad. Uh, yep. <laughs> as, as Matt Morgan is in fact one of the TNA wrestlers of all time, yeah. and that's a crazy thing to say considering they 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 were convinced he was going to lead the company. 
I guess because the stuttering gimmick will work for you, won't it? They were just they were just like this is the this is the peak specimen of TNA, and then every time he'd do his finisher, he'd destroy his kneecaps. <laughs> That's for true. That's for true. I will say though, the uh, the, the the bicycle boot goes hard. <laughs> It goes hard. It's just every time he did it, he just destroy another one of his knee ligaments. This is true. This is true. And Dad, I just saw you when I said Chavo. What you posted in the chat. Correct. <laughs> oh fucking hell! I feel like we're gonna have to talk about that eventually at one point. <laughs> Probably, but for now we don't have to. Thank God for that. Let us move on strict uh, fast then to tough enough free because I'm being quite apologies guys for being quite slow with this uh, for, for the MTV era here. Little fun facts about tough enough free again very big open audition and there were a few people notable names that did audition but didn't make it to the final 25. Melina tried out for tough enough free eventually oh made it to those fi that the final whittling down but was cut from the competition this is actually where she met john hennigan and then formed a, a romantic relationship with him uh, i can't think of a worse place to start a romantic relationship than a wrestling <laughs> school now here's the here's a fun fact for you both sean davari and daniel puder were seen auditioning for tough enough free both made it to the final 75, were, but were eventually cut. Because as we know... They weren't, they, they, weren't, they weren't ready for Puder's Neutron style yet. Eventually, as we know, <laughs> Davari was later hired by the WWE to team with Hubbard Hassan. Um, yes. But here we go. Tough Enough Free. And if anyone talks about Tough Enough Free, I guess we need to get this one out of the way. It's the infamous one where we had Al Snow... Bill DeMott and Ivory as trainers with a special guest spot from Hardcore Holly. And this is where Hardcore Holly came in, I guess, with a massive chip on his shoulder and decided to stiff one of the competitors, uh, Matt Capitelli. I just, like, the entire time you're doing this, surely as a company you're just there just like, okay, don't do anything stupid. Which actually, as a whole thing out of this, right, I've made, when we did the the video recording, I made my thoughts on Al Snow clear. <laughs> um, but Are we shooting on how? Hulk Bob Holly now? <laughs> no, 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 I am, but how, in a pairing of Hardcore Holly and Bill DeMott, do you become the unreasonable one? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, that's a good, good point. Crazy, isn't it? Out of out of out of a person and build a mot, build a mot is the reasonable one. <laughs> it's just like, but like, surely though, like, just because because this was still running with MTV, wasn't it? Uh, this would yeah, this would be the last season with MTV. Right. So all of a sudden, the WWF are now liable for an employee just attacking someone. That's wrestling. Yeah. That is wrestling. Yeah. That is wrestling. But, but here's the figure. Again, maybe this is a question I, I oppose to, to Connor here. Has there ever been a moment where you have seen a, a trainer or a guest trainer during one of these sessions take liberties? Or have you heard stories of wrestlers taking liberties with trainers, such as what like what Holly did to Matt in season three? 
So fortunately, from my own personal experience, I haven't encountered any such stories. Mm. I think it's very much been a thing, at least within British wrestling, that's kind of evolved a lot significantly over time. Mm. There's a lot more precautions about who trains people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Yeah, thankfully. And like, it, it's weird because looking at it, it's almost... <sighs> It's hard to say, like, particularly because, you know, not really experienced with it. I don't really know any particular stories around it. Mm. Kind of any particular comments on it. You can only really go off people's first-hand accounts. Yeah. It's... I don't really know how else to comment on it. I, I have heard accounts from people saying that, like they had trainers in the past who did that kind of stuff. Mm. As I like, you know, I'm, I'm talking about guys who were training going back, like to more like early two thousands. I'm very much a person of the proponent of if you're going in there with the intention to like, like ease them into the business or like smarten them up by stiffing them and hurting them. I feel like that's doing the opposite effect, and as a matter of fact, you're just being an asshole for the sake well, of being like, an asshole. It, it, it's it's like it's like the mm-hmm. thing because obviously doing doing grappling sports myself, it's always a thing of you know you show you show your training partner respect because obviously it's about you only you should only really do what you want done to you. Mm-hmm. So like there's a there's a guy who I train who we train with uh, who often just like you know the coach will say okay go forty percent and he's doing a hundred forty percent but equally the thing is then is when he starts doing that he gets it done back to him and gets frustrated mm. so it's like it's always just the thing of like what well, you you know I in a sense if you're a coach you shouldn't be stiffing anyone in the first place. Because the moment you start stiffing people, then you're teaching your students that stiffing people is okay. Yes. Mm. You exactly. know, you you set the tone. And so, you know, if you're there and you're a coach and you just like, oh, okay, we're doing 40% and, you go, and someone goes crazy and like they heel hook someone and hurt them. Mm-hmm. You know, you often or not, you're the one to blame for people acting like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's interesting that you bring up combat sports into this as well, particularly mm-hmm. with wrestling, because you do get a lot of people who come in who don't really have any combat sports experience. Yeah. And sometimes when they're thrown straight into it and they get the first feeling of like contact, it just throws them off. Mm. Like, because the thing, because the, the thing is right. It's like, I always say, which is that, you know, for example, if you're, um, I'll, I'll say across arm bar. Cause that's probably the one that translates the most regularly into wrestling. Yeah. When you're doing a, when you're doing an armbar of uh, pretty much any kind, including like a kimura or whatever, you have to put in effort to to really like properly damage someone. Mm. Oh yeah, absolutely. But, there is intent. But, but like, but like with a lot of people, they try and do it too quickly, and that's how they do it because they mm. think it's just oh snap, snap on, and you know twist. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think also people underestimate how when you've got a hold like an arm bar or a knee bar in or any sort of... We'll, we'll go with submissions as an example. Yeah. Like, how easy it is. Like, 
even if you just move your hips slightly to cause some serious damage to someone. Oh, but this 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 is the thing, right? So people get so fussy about getting positioning mm. that mm. they'll get the positioning and then I and I've I've seen it I've seen it happen. Which is someone will fight for armbar position, they'll yeah. get back and the moment they get it, they're going straight back and kicking their hips up and mm. boom someone's yeah. elbows dislocated. Oh yeah. And it's like if you you know, if you don't get people into the mindset of no, you need to actually care and look after who you're competing with. Mm. Like I said, like when you're at competition, anything goes realistically. Like obviously when you're at competition, you don't want to become the guy that injures other people. You don't want that to happen. But like, you know, you're going at a hundred percent. Someone it might just happen that someone heel hooks you and then, you know, you injured you you know you've hurt your achilles or mm. like you know your knees twisted too much but like you shouldn't be going out there with intent to do that if you mm. go out there with intent to do that it's normal 99 percent of the time it's bad coaching mm. yep um but respect where respect is given because i think any other person in that situation, in, in, in the receiving end of that, probably would have gotten really upset, angry, and probably could have retaliated, but yeah, Matt Capitelli got up, shook Bob Holly's hand, and walked off after all was said and done. Uh, oh. Props to him for doing that, because as I said, everyone else kind of froze up, and uh, if you've seen the footage, everyone goes quite silent as Bob Holly is absolutely raining fists and stomps to his face. Yeah, it's just that Bob Holly has a massive inferiority complex. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that is one of the more famous ones. Of course, there's also that whole incident involving the other contestant, Lisa, who was thrown out of the house due to a, what was known as a psychotic breakdown, which would eventually see her actually break into the MTV control room of the house and being uh, working her way to the roof, being forced down and kicked out of the program uh eventually she would end up uh spending time being hospitalized eventually she ended up funnily enough showing up at ovw claiming that isle snow sent her there for additional training and eventually somehow managed to in uh well, several months after talk her way backstage on a raw show and work the pyrotechnics and even have a conversation with vince mcmahon interesting Wrestling. <laughs> WWE and wrestling, where you can truly be trusted to be safe. <laughs> mm -hmm. So the eventual winners were Matt Capitelli and John Hennigan. As for the aftermath of what these two would, would happen to them, Hennigan would wrestle under the names of Johnny Nitro and John Morrison and would go on, of course, to win various championships. Uh, ACW World Championship, three-time Intercontinental Champion, was tag champion uh, three times, eventually would find success outside of the company with Impact, Lucha Underground, Triple R. He's had a bloody pretty... If you ask me, he's had one of the most decent careers for a wrestler coming out of time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Johnny, insert company name here. <laughs> he's yeah. even been in Bloodsport for crying out loud. He has. It was a match. <laughs> As for Capitelli, he would end up becoming an absolute legend for OVW. Actually ended up winning the heavyweight championship a couple of times, but unfortunately um, 
gosh, this is the one that sucks the most. He was diagnosed with a brain tumor in 2005, forcing him to step away and relinquishing his heavyweight championship. It was removed in 2007, and he ended up, it was on and off as to whether he would return to pro wrestling, but eventually he would end up becoming a uh, an owner of a gym and was quite successful in that, hot, uh, in that adventure. Unfortunately, though, he was diagnosed with... Um, he was re-diagnosed again. It had come back, and this time it had come back even more, uh, even more aggressively. Um, and unfortunately, he died at the age of 38 in 2018. It's a shame, because from all intents and purposes, everyone says that Matt Capitelli had everything you needed, actually, to become a really good wrestler. It's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty, then. On that note, Let's let's go on to something a little bit more uh, a little bit more cheerful. Well, let's talk about the million dollar tough enough, baby. <laughs> this is where it really starts getting strange. So, MTV and WWE's relationship comes to a close, and with this, with the license here, they needed to do something in order to <laughs> in order. <laughs> fucking hell, for fuck's sake, melee. <laughs> they need something in order to keep going and an extra extra hook into tough enough. So. Put it on SmackDown and give the incentive. The winner gets $1 million. So, again, another open audition in 2004 that took place, if memory serves me, in Venice Beach. Of course, this was also would see a lot of wrestlers come and go in this one. As we discussed, Marty Wright, the boogeyman, would be part of the auditions. Oh, my God. Jesus. <laughs> and... Um, of course, everyone knows uh, he would. He lied about his age, saying he was thirty when he was in fact forty, and was cut for that reason alone. Um... Honest, honest, honestly, lying about your age in reverse, unfathomably based. Yes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh... lying to seem older—that's out. Lying to seem younger. That's cool. <laughs> a wrestler, a little-known wrestler by the name of Drew Hankinson, would make it. Would be part of these open auditions and made it to that. Nearly made it to the to the final contestants, but eventually was cut. But he was picked up by the company and would eventually be rechristened as Festus. Oh yes, I'm God. talking about Luke Gallows, baby. <laughs> Biscuits uh, and gravy made me a man. Festus, man. Fucking oh. Festus, man. Or as he's best known, in, if you ask me, he's best known as Sex Ferguson. Or the man that goes, fuck Dr. Death. <laughs> oh. This is only highlight. Eventually, you know, you're right, though. You're right, though, Melee. Eventually, though, it, they were whittled down to the final contestants. Chris Narocki, no relation to Christopher Nowinski. <laughs> Daniel Rodimer. John Mayer Jr., Justice Smith. Yo, John Mayer. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan Reeves, Nick Mitchell, Mike Mazanin, and Daniel Puder. Fucking Mike Mazanin. Oh Mike gosh. Of course now everyone knows that they're that fucking Mike Wazowski. Mike Wazowski. <laughs> now everyone knows, of course, that um rather than it being its own separate television program, they were segments on SmackDown. And each of them would have to go through uh, not wrestling training, but some weird contests. Uh, yeah. Dressing up in drag mm. and trying to uh, corpse hardcore Holly. Uh, being slammed by the big show. Uh, I think it was pie-eating contests. They had a boxing match on a pay-per-view with the finalists at one point. 
But that's neither here nor there because the only thing everyone remembers from the million dollar tough enough is how Kurt Angle was nearly had his arm broken by Daniel Puder. Okay, <laughs> can I talk about this moment? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Because there's two aspects to this. One, which is that, frankly, this entire thing is so insane and speaks to an environment where no one was actually told what was actually happening. Yep. But second, but second of all, <laughs> to put Daniel Pewter and Kurt Angle in a ring <laughs> and just expect them to act normally and do a worked match is insane. <laughs> Again, I don't I don't know what Daniel Pierre's actual credentials were here were by this point, but like he was a he was a combat sports guy. Well, as they um, always said uh, on commentary, they always picked up uh, Daniel Pewter, the cage fighter from Ultimate Fighting Championships, despite the fact yeah. that Daniel Pewter never had. I was going to say because I don't. The UFC. I'm, I'm, I was going to say I'm very yeah. sure he never competed for the UFC, um, but. Right, you have all of this right, and then the absolute balls of Daniel Pewter to start shooting on Kurt Angle. <laughs> like that—that that takes fucking balls to do that. <laughs> Former U.S. Olympic freestyle wrestling ch- gold medal winner mr broken mr broken neck himself but, but not even that this man is a, i believe two-time olympic gold winner in freestyle wrestling uh national champion national champion he never won olympic he won he uh, yeah yeah i think it was yeah it was the only one the, the one gold medal he won was okay one time olympic gold medal freestyle wrestling champion right Mm-hmm. And this guy just comes along and just went and just goes, <laughs> consider the following, Kimura. <laughs> and you know what? He down there nearly, he, he got it in and he nearly had that thing in deep. Um, like, like in my, in my, in my mind, the, Kimura, for which the hold is named after, was looking from the heavens, smiling. <laughs> Now, would you guys like to know, like, what uh, what the backstage fallout from this was? Oh, give the backstage fallout. Is it called? Is it called? Is, da- is it called Daniel Pewter gets gets the gang initiation treatment? We'll get to that, Dad. But the immediate fallout was just you could see Kurt Angle squared up to Daniel Pewter, and as you could see it, if you look at Kurt's mouth as he's talking to him face to face, he's just saying he's pretty much saying to him, "What the fuck do you think you're doing?" Huh? <laughs> what do you thought? What, what, what was that? What the fuck do you think you're doing? <laughs> Get out of my fucking ring. <laughs> right. Here was the fallout as according to Davey Melton. It was real. If you don't fight, follow it, follow fighting. Pewter had Angle in the Kimura, or Keylock as Taz called it, although Taz didn't let the move, uh, didn't let on them that the move was fully executed. So not only was Angle not getting out of the move, but most MMA fighters would have tapped already. Angle couldn't tap for obvious reasons. Yeah. The ref, Jimmy Corderas, counted a free, even though Pewter's shoulders weren't fully down trying to end the thing, because the reality was Angle would have been in surgery had it gone for a few seconds longer, or if Pewter hadn't gave up, gave, gave up the hold. I believe Dave Sh- uh, Shura 
also said that. As you would expect, Angle was less than happy backstage at SmackDown after almost being forced to. I won. I wonder. He almost had his shoulder separated. Downright pissed off would probably be the best way to describe his mood. The unscripted nature of the contest was the main reason that Angle was made to look so bad, since Pewd had just reacted to the situation and could have forced Angle to submit had the referees not fought quickly and counted a pin that wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God man. bless you, wrestling. So, of course, the aftermath of that, with the finalists being the Miz, oh, sorry, Mizadden and uh, Puder, uh, Puder would go on to win the million dollar contract, even though it was two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for the one year, with a free, with a possible three year extension. Me when I lie. <laughs> of course, he would go on to get to the Royal Rumble in 2005, where he was telling people and bragging that he was in the main event. Uh, even though everybody knew that that makes no sense, because the main event's the Royal Rumble, and he was saying he was in the main event. And so Hardcore Holly, uh, Eddie Guerrero, and Stephen Richards decided to uh, team together and absolutely it's called, kill Daniel Pewter. It's called the Fuck You Daniel Pewter segment. And genuinely... It is uncomfortable viewing. But also, you can't look away from viewing. What I will say mm -hmm. is this. Melee, I'm looking forward to when just you, Justin, and Sam uh, review the 2005 Rumble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we will. Oh, man. So, as for the other contestants, Ryan Reeves would sign a developmental contract with WWE, eventually coming back in early 2010 on the first season of NXT as Skip Sheffield and would resurface again in early 2012 under the name Ryback, where he is seen eating a pack of ruffles <laughs> since then <laughs> and has not stopped eating me? ruffles. <laughs> Who won't be? No one. Nick Mitchell, though, was signed to the, to the company, but he was known as Mitch, part of the cheerleader group, the Spirit Squad. Hell yeah. Let's Nikki! Go. Mikey! <laughs> Mitch! Anyway, let us get on to the the revival of Tough Enough. It would go away for about oh, that's five, six years until it was picked up once more uh, by the WWE and revived to become the brand new Tough Enough. Now, fun facts about this one, fellas, that I found out. You, it was going to be shown on USA Network. Eventually, I think that was eventually kind of the first season of that one was uh, was shown. But after that, it was a network exclusive. But it was a co the revival was a co-production to a company known as Shed Media. Now that that may not may might not name might not ring a bell. But what if I told you that the back catalogue of Shed Media as a company were the ones that were responsible. For the UK dramas, Waterloo Road, Bad oh my Girls, God. and Footballers' no. Wives. Are you out of your mess with me? Shout out the TV what? show Footballers' Wives. <laughs> yeah. That is that is a piece of legacy information. <laughs> oh, did I you... have not thought about that show for the longest damn time. <laughs> did you know that they were also responsible for Super Nanny? It's me or the dog. Oh my god. And Brat Camp. <laughs> wow. Oh, Jesus. Wow. So the entirety of 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 mid of mid two thousands British 
weird TV. Okay, yes. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry, Sam. Just because you mentioned footballers' wives, for for my British people in here that are going to be of a certain age, because it's just it's just brought this memory back for me. Does anyone remember a TV show called Dream Team? Yes. yes, yes. Because I was speaking about this the other day with people at work, and I felt like I hallucinated the entire thing. No, you're not wrong. That was that was indeed a thing. <laughs> but no, uh, to 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 talk. I mean, to give context to melee. Basically, what Footballers' Wives mm -hmm. was was Game of Thrones, but just with football and more sex. <laughs> basically, yeah. You can't right, lie. Link. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that was that was absolutely accurate. <laughs> it 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 was basically if you took like if you took like OK magazine and turned it into a living breathing show. <laughs> I understand Melly might not know what OK magazine is, but basically think about like those like um those like magazines that like tell you about TV shows and stuff, but then they always include a bunch of stuff that's just like random information about celebrities. Yeah, I know those. Like if TMZ had a magazine, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. So, what about this revival season? Well, the the sort of uh, mood and the vibe was changed, and the format of it was changed slightly. <laughs> We had one host, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and the head trainers were Bill DeMott, Trish Stratus, and Booker T. Now, gosh, man, I had to go back to watch this one because I barely remember who was in this one for Love No Money. But all I remember... I'm sure they all left a very big impact on the wrestling landscape then. All I remember mm -hmm. of this one was that Eva Lee was part of this uh, was part of Oh, this my season. God. As was AJ Kirsch, who, of course, would go to, on to voice buzz in wwe 2k 18 or was it 19 no now we're talking about legacy that's legacy that's aura right there to be fair that was a fun story mode that was a fun really story mode. i liked it because if was that knows... wait was that was that the one where they did the where basically the whole thing was just full mask off with wwe saying they were trying to kill independent wrestling yes 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 <laughs> This yeah, one, we we spoke about that before. We have indeed. This one, of course, was uh won by the by Andy Levine. Anyone remember Andy Levine? That name means nothing to me. That could be anyone, and I would believe you. Uh, would you <laughs> say that his career peaked in the WWE, where in the final, where he was announced as the winner of Tough Enough, he was kicked in the balls by Vince McMahon and received a Stone Cold Stunner? That sounds about uh... right for that period of time. <laughs> Yep. And that's our show. But no, uh, no, that literally was it for, for for him, and he didn't really do much of anything after that. Um, as for season six, when it became a network exclusive, we had the host Chris Jericho alongside Renee Young, and this time they had coaches and judges for this one. The coaches were Bill, uh, Billy Gunn, Booker T, and Lita, and the judges were Daniel Bryan, Paige, and Hulk Hogan. For about five episodes oh, until he was unceremoniously let go because of that video. <laughs> <laughs> what time? And was replaced by the Miz. <laughs> oh. Replacing repli replacing Hulk Hogan with the Miz might be a war crime. <laughs> <laughs> this one actually did produce a lot more uh, people that we come to know in the WWE for this season. Uh, Daria Berenato, who we now know as Sonya oh, wow. Deville. Oh, 
Uh, Chelsea Green was part of this oh my season. God. Amanda Sacamano, who we know as Mandy Rose, was in this season. Oh, no. But this, of course, was the season where the infamous uh, Zaramaya Lupe, or ZZ, was uh, was in this season. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, Josh, uh, Joshua Brendel, as we know, was the eventual winner of this. And uh, look, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm skirting around it, but this was the season where... Um, this is the season that had Patrick Clark in it. Oh no! <laughs> that guy, ooh, disgusting. Yeah. Less said about that one, the better. But in terms of the revival ones of of all of this, one of the more successful ones, honestly. I yeah, no, yeah. I do have to say. Mm-hmm. Um. <clears throat> oh gosh. Uh. I mean, and that's where we kind of end and where we come. I mean, for as we know. Chelsea Green would end up becoming uh, coming in and out of the company every so often. Eventually, yeah. she has had pretty much a very good, solid career since coming back in 2022, um, winning and still holding the Women's Tag Championships. Of course, Sonia Deville has had an amazing career as well, being a tag champion as well, being part of, um, was it Absolution? Wasn't it? Yeah, yes. something like that. Something like that. Um... Josh ended up being released in 2017 when he wasn't really catching up in the performance center as well as people would have liked him to have. But uh, that kind of usually ends up being what it ends up being sometimes yeah. with these winners. When it ends up being that, you know, all of the where, where the where the contestants seem to be more successful than the winners. Fierce, it turns though, out that being in a reality TV show and actually doing this job are completely different skill sets. Which <laughs> could you it? could you believe that sentence? To be fair, though, <laughs> it's the thing I've always said about um, most reality TV shows, though, because was it like half the people who won X Factor have been infinitely less successful than people who lost it? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty mm-hmm. much. And that is where we leave Tough Enough in its current form. It's been a while since we've had the last Tough Enough. I believe it was 2015 when we had the last ever Tough Enough. Now, the thing I have to ask to everyone here, do you think that there is a market at all for, for, for like, this coming back? God, no. (laughs) Are you sure? I think I think that tough enough coming back in any form would have to be in a form so completely different that to call it tough enough would basically be a lie. The thing the thing mm. is right is that the the classic reality TV formula is kind of dead in the water. Mhm. I mean just mm. look at the ultimate fighter for example. <laughs> I mean his his well, I feel like the problem with the Ultimate Fighter is that they started making more of the show about the coaches more than the actual people fighting. <laughs> That's for people sure. can people can agree or disagree with me that way. To quote Chael like, Sonnen, I can't let you get close. I can't let you get close. Okay, because here's the, here's the thing, right? The the most successful format for reality TV right now, and people can again agree or disagree with me, is probably Love Island. Yeah, no, oh, I'd agree. Crumbs, with you. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I'd completely right? agree. With you. But again, that's that's predicated on that's predicated on the idea that you have two groups of people that have very fundamental differences that you then need to force together. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. So the only thing I could think of would be something kind of like that, but involving wrestling. Yeah, that's the it thing. Would, it would it would have to go back to that very kind of fundamental concept of like people living in a house, <laughs> um, people living in a confined space together. But again, it would have to be quite different. Like maybe an aspect of it could be like one group of people who are like work the independence and one group of people who haven't done that sure or something something to that effect but the 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 classical formula of just get people put them together and give them a challenge kind of doesn't really work anymore or it would have to be like done purely through the socials or like something like that the funny the, the, the annoying thing the funny thing about um wrestling as as like as a performance is that it is predicated on trust Mm. which goes entirely against the reality tv show formula which is predicated on none of these people trust each other (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's a it's a very it's a very core concept (laughs) yeah like like for instance like i watched a um recently a video essay on america's next top model just randomly, it was really good, actually. God, that show was awful for the, for, for reasons that you wouldn't expect, or perhaps would. But anyway, we're going off traffic here. And the thing about like about that is that there is a way to be competitive in that scenario, right? Like there is a way to to nudge people out and to be the best top model. But like even at even like the most even like say Shawn Michaels at his most dickish. You could at least trust him to do the move right and not break your neck. Mm. You know what I mean? There's like, no, like, you can't, you can't, you can't like have people you don't trust and the, put them in the wrestling ring. It the, just the, won't the work. Be- the, the best thing I can think of is something like a wrestling adjacent version of Drag Race. Mm. Mm. But again, that's predicated on the people having experience. <laughs> the only uh, actually, there is the only the closest. And even then, this wouldn't work. It would be kind of like you tough enough, but it has to be tag teams. Yeah. So, like you, which can like you can put two different different people, and they might not like each other, but they have to work together to do the best like tag team. That's the closest I can think of. Mm. Like it just. Yeah, it's just like I. It, it's something. It's fun. Like I understand why they thought this would work. And it, it, like it, the thing is, in in that early reality TV format, yes, it does. Mm. For for like what they want, for what they want, not as an actual show, but like for what they want of the show, it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crazy. But apart from that, terrible. <laughs> Uh, I forgot as well. One thing I want to bring up for that season, for that uh, for that fifth revival season, I forgot to mention that M Dog Twenty was in that season. <laughs> Hell yeah, M Dog! The the most competent wrestler out of them, and he gets cut because apparently, quoting Steve Austin, he just wasn't giving it a hundred percent. Which is a crazy <laughs> thing if you've ever seen you know, M if you've ever seen M Dog Twenty match. <laughs> <laughs> so. It's safe to say, I guess we could all agree that maybe 
because of the changing tide of television and the way we consume media, there may not be a market for a tough enough ever nah, again. I, I don't. I don't think the market is really there. No. Mm. Dare I say? I mean, I talked about it and joked about it. Do you think it's more of a kind of what they've done? kind of with their documentary stuff for the network where it's more of a look in the behind the scenes of what happens in the performance center and what goes on backstage before like big events like a wrestlemania is that more of the thing that i think people because i feel that's what's keeping more people's attention is that rather than seeing like the reality of those reality style shows we're seeing more of reality documentary style uh, i feel like that kind of thing would that kind of thing would work better because the only w- type of documentary work that i'd really like to see about wrestling would be like louis Farou type stuff and wwe's never gonna make that <laughs> no they're never gonna mm-hmm. the closest we got was like beyond the mat and that was from like a very specific circumstance that no documentary could ever account for yeah, you, know what I'd want... <laughs> you know what i want wwe to do again with that kind of documentary style content mm. they've been more inclined to do mm. make breaking ground season two Yes, yes. I think that was a great balance of kind of giving that real life aspect to performers, but also, you know, giving you a peek into a little bit of the future. Ah, oh. mm. shout out to Tino Sabatelli. <laughs> or, maybe, or maybe actually thinking of it, yeah, I think you, you're on the money here, Dad. Because like something like maybe like, like, uh, like a documentary series like Rookie Year, like mm. like someone come like they've already done the training, they've got the contract, and just follow their pro their progress for the year. Yeah, but again, like, but again like, they would I never would, show that. I would, I would love, to, I would love to have something like this again, but like again, predicated on the basis of complete rookies are yeah. trained in wrestling. But I just, hmm. I just know it. It wouldn't be as. It would just. It would probably just end up being like season one. It wouldn't be particularly interesting. Lots of them probably would just be like, actually, I don't like this, hmm. and, and whatever. Hmm. You know, it might be more interesting with like the WWE next in line people and the NIL deals they're offering up. But like again. I feel like with especially with how WWE is now, it just wouldn't be interesting. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. What I would what I would love to see though in like the other hand of things is if like for example, you know, more like independent wrestlers training or like a look into like Japanese dojo style wrestling mm. training. Mm. That would be quite interesting. But again, that would be again completely removed from the context of Tough Enough. It would not be <laughs> Noah does Tough Enough. Like <laughs> Basically, I think all I've got out of this is I'm saying I really want Louis Faroux to do a wrestling documentary. Okay, yeah, that's that's the that's, that's the yeah, that's that's it. That's about You want him to do really. a sequel to the WCW one he did back in the nineties, yeah? Yeah. Basically. That would actually be really interesting. <laughs> like yeah. that's ba- that's ba- that's basically that's basically all I've got from this. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Make it happen. I mean, Vince is no longer there. You could do it at the performance center. <laughs> that's no. Cool. It would it would suck yeah. if WWE involved in the making of it. I'm sorry. Uh, I get. Fair enough. Fair enough. 
Well, gentlemen, I think that is a way to to end this uh, good way to end this episode, if you ask me. Um, that, <laughs> what the hell is that, Bella? <laughs> that, that's Kurt Angle. No, no, I meant the other thing. We're taking... no, anyway, no, right, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm losing track train of thought. Gentlemen, <laughs> Melee, Connor, it has been a pleasure as always. Thank you so much for popping in. Um, Connor, if there's anything you've got coming up in the next few weeks leading up before Christmas that you'd like to share and advertise to everyone, please, please do let us know. The floor is yours. Uh, if you'd like to find me on any form of social media, I don't know why, but if you do... Uh, you can find me at tig underscore pw. You can find that on. Do you call it Twitter still? Twitter X. I mean, I'm yes. still calling. We it still, we, we still, we still call it Twitter. Even Elon Musk is calling it. Yeah, Twitter, yeah. I was gonna say, Elon. like, there's, there's, there's really no winning. What well, one or the other, right? Uh, <laughs> if not, uh, you may or may not see me at UBW next week. Hell yeah! There you go. Yeah. Actually, by the time this comes out. Yeah, I'll, I'll be on UBW, I guess. <laughs> nice, nice. Looking forward to it. Melee, are there any other YDR episodes that we should brace ourselves for in the future? Uh, I'm pretty, pretty sure that that's called for every single episode that comes out. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's gonna... <laughs> Every single episode enters biohazard containment. Uh, yeah, yes, 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 pretty it much. really does. Oh man, no, but uh, I'm I'm really enjoying it. I was I was listening to the to the Bischoff episode yesterday. <laughs> oh yeah, and that I, I just love how you lot the lot of you were just like this episode is fucking boring. <laughs> like I've seen that for like the first time, and never realized how stupid it was for Eric Bischoff to come out the segment before he was supposed to be announced. Yes. It's like, hey, how's it going? Boil the surprise. Yeah, just go, hey, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? Oh, so I've enjoyed this one, gentlemen. Thank you so much for popping in. Uh, next episode, we don't actually have anything booked, but this is the week oh. where we were trying to convince Justin and Sam to appear on the podcast. Melee, oh, yeah. I know you oh, I know you could probably make <laughs> it happen. Do you oh, think... Oh, my, could it, it out be? For everybody. Do you think you damn right would want to be on the podcast next week? Oh, I have to see. If not, I'll be busy that day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you heard it here first. Uh, I'm gonna tweet at them if I tell you to. Oh, uh, the question is: Do we do a watch along? Just, just in the spirit of why? Oh, do you... no, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, be... this podcast. All right, <laughs> it, might, next... it might be. Uh, that might be. That might be. That might be Reardon's Joker moment. <laughs> oh, Christ. Oh, and you know what? We yeah. could do a review of King of the Ring 2002, guys. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> what if we... should, should, I, should I get on random pay-per-view watch? Yes, make, it, make sure it's Ruthless Aggression Era, but we're hoping to make uh, that Okay, happen. say less. I can do that. We're going to make that happen. If not, we're probably just going to do it anyway. We're going to hopefully have Justin and Sam on on the program next week. But until then, I have been Sam. This has been Dan, Reardon, Tig, and Melee. And you have been listening to the Sweet Chinwag podcast. We will see you, as always, on the next uh, one. Bye. Daniel Pewter. <laughs> no, you're that the guy from the UFC, huh? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>